What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. Here we go! Email us at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. Here we go! It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Let's go! Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. All right, you know the drill on this Monday. We'll bring on Will and Chris in a little bit. Talk about some big-time topics, some running backs that you might have trouble trusting in your fantasy championship but we're glad you got there. Welcome to week 16, or at least it will be in a few hours after the Saints and the Colts wrap up. And we welcome you to the Fantasy Football Today Road Tour presented by Little Caesars. Pizza for dinner tonight. How about ordering your favorite online from Little Caesars and using Pizza Portal Pickup? It's the latest, greatest, and hottest way to pick up a pizza without even going to the register. And you know who's here? It's Dr. David Chow, and I hope you've been following him on Twitter at ProFootballDoc and ProFootballDoc.com. Great website, great information. He's going to help us out, and he's going to help us out with Dalvin Cook. And, of course, they're optimistic about Dalvin Cook playing, <laughs> and Alexander Madison didn't play, and we need to know what to do with that Vikings running back situation. So what do you think about Dalvin Cook and that bum shoulder? Well, the thing is, in-game, and uh, we were actually doing a, a periscope and some live analysis there as they were showing replays as, as it timed out, it looked like a new injury. It did not look like the same SC joint injury that he's had before against Denver and then flared up uh, against the Seahawks there. And in some ways people are going to say, Oh no, another injury. That's horrible. But I actually take it as good news for two reasons. Number one, what you don't want is him being a, a China doll every time he takes a hit with that SC joint sprain. And I think it's starting to be behind him. This one was more of a scare and it seemed to be his left shoulder, which is really the other side. And by video, I can't tell you exactly what he did because we didn't see a lot. There wasn't a lot of contact. It wasn't a pec tear. It wasn't a shoulder dislocation. Uh, I'm hoping that it's more of a scare and minor. And uh, as such, I think he was held out of the game just to be safe because of the pending big matchup against the Packers on Monday night this coming week. So I think Dalvin Cook is going to be okay. Right, and the score was so lopsided they didn't have to bring him back in. Uh, more injuries, I'll ask you about Chris Godwin in a little bit, but Odell Beckham, he did leave his lead his team in receiving against the Cardinals. Still was not a great game. He plans to play the last two games of the season. Yeah, should we approach him as a guy who's just I guess how close to 100% do you think Odell Beckham is really the question? Uh, I mean, I think if it weren't Odell Beckham, he wouldn't be good enough to be on the field. Right. Uh, because it is Odell Beckham. Well, let's say he's at 80%. 
he's still good enough to be on the field. He's just not Odell Beckham. And uh, that's what a core muscle injury will do to you. So he'll undoubtedly have season the off, surgery in the off season. And uh, if you have him now and you were disappointed with him, don't when you draft next year, don't hold that against him because uh, this is going to be fixed and he should be better in terms of this core muscle injury. And you think it's been bothering him all year? I mean, based on what Baker Mayfield said and. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Logical. I think he's yeah. been slowed all year, and 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 quite honestly, for as much grief as the guy gets sometimes, uh, publicly and socially, I mean, he's sucking it up and playing through. He's not shutting it down. So, if you could go back in time now and think about uh, preseason when we first got the injury to AJ Green, when did, do you remember how long you thought he'd be out? Because he's got a chance to come back in Week 16. Do you remember what you thought about <laughs> AJ Green at the time? <laughs> yeah, at the time, uh, there was initial reports that, you know, he'd only miss a game or two. And I said, hogwash, he's going to miss more than that. And uh, <laughs> but I did buy into, uh, you know, missing the first eight games and then coming back after that bye week. I thought that's when he would come back. And when there were reports of soreness and stiffness, I was like, yeah, I don't know that I buy it. But that one pregame warm-up about week 10 or something, uh, I went, wow, he he's not close to ready. That's when I said he was at least another month away. And now uh, he's even longer than that because he's told everyone, uh, at this point, I'm going to come back when I'm 100%, not less than that. And uh, that's why it's taken this long. And at this point, whether it's week 16 or 17, it turns out to be a, a, a free agent audition or showcase. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see if people trust him at Miami. Obviously, a great matchup. But you think if he plays, we can, you know, trust at least a little bit that he is going to be healthy, not going to be a situation where he has to come out of the game or anything like that. No, I think if he plays, I think you probably can trust him as much as you can trust a guy taking the field for the first time all season. Uh, but it's still A.J. Green. It's Andy Dalton throwing to him, and uh, I think you can trust him. Okay, well, that's also good to know. If D.J. Chark plays, would you have confidence in him? He missed Week 15. He's doing some running on Monday. He's at Atlanta in Week 16. What kind of injury is D.J. Chark looking at? How healthy could he be? Well, he's got a by video, a high ankle sprain. It's not the worst one in the world, but it's my feeling that he will not play. So I don't think it's going to be a situation where you even have to worry about it. I mean, there's no reason to push through a high ankle that's 85 or 90 percent when your team's already out of it. You don't want to make it worse for the off season. So I actually do not think he will play. Now, if for some reason he does play, I guess you could utilize him because I don't think he's going to play if he's not closer to 100%, but I do not think he will play. And last one I want to ask you about is Chris Godwin, and it doesn't seem like he's going to be back this year, this season, and he'll join Mike Evans there. But what did you see with Chris Godwin? Well, a hamstring injury, and as we talked about last week when uh, Mike Evans got it, said, like, I think he's probably going on IR. There's only three games left, and he is. Chris Godwin, now there's only two games left, and uh, I think he's going to go on IR too. And obviously in the first quarter of the game, Scott Miller went out with a hamstring as well. And so uh, Jameis Winston, uh, hats off to him. I don't know how he threw for <laughs> 458 yards. I mean, uh, he only had Perriman to throw to. <laughs> And, uh, you know, that's an interesting play for your fantasy people. I'm not a fantasy guy, 
but Winston seems to be throwing the ball a lot. Bruce Aaron seems to be having to throw the ball a lot, and he's got no Mike Evans, no Chris Godwin, two of the best, and then uh, even Scott Miller, although he's not as as uh, as well utilized. But Perriman's the the number one, two, and potentially number three guy now. Oh right? yeah, uh, in terms of wide receiver <laughs> targets. We're definitely going to talk about uh, Brashad Perryman with Will and Chris. And, yeah, it looks like Scott Miller is going to have an MRI on that hamstring. But, um, yeah, it really, you know, last week was uh, so so rough with injuries for the offensive players. Not so much this week. So I guess I guess that's good for you. A little bit of a, an early Christmas present. Not a horrible week 15 for you, Dr. Chow. <laughs> Uh, it's always good. I, I always root for players to be healthy. I yes. mean, like Dalvin Cook, I'm glad it doesn't seem like it's much. I, I hate it when it is a big thing. So, Dr. Chow, thanks so much for coming on. Not sure. I hope we talk to you next week. If not, I want to wish you a happy holiday, uh, and uh, hopefully we'll talk to you next week. But it's been great having you on this year and great advice. Thank you very much. Thank you. All right, we'll take a quick break on fantasy football today and come back with Will and Chris. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com. Welcome back, everybody. Okay, we got big topics here with Chris Towers and Will Brinson. What's up, Chris Towers? How are we doing? I'm great. How about you, Adam? I am good. I uh, assumed I had lost. Like lo- say more than that. Yeah, I, I did. That's fine. I'll take it from here. I thought I was going to lose a matchup yesterday. It seemed over. Didn't even check. Then I forgot that I'm playing in a league that has the wackiest scoring ever. My opponent had the Rams DST. They scored negative 12 points, and I am onward. To the next round. Uh, negative 12. That's negative 12. That's bad. That's pretty bad, but good for me. So, uh, yeah, that's so I'm in a good mood. I'm happy about that. I won two out of three leagues in week 15. And now we bring on our third member of the crew. He gets a round of applause. Oh, I didn't realize I had a live version of this. <laughs> this is terrible. We have to wait so long to get to the payoff. Hey, what's up, Will? I'll just bring you on now. What is the payoff? The chorus of the song, but she's walking on stage. There's a piano intro. Here we go. This is incredible. Just gripping stuff. <laughs> I've been listening to Christmas music all day, Will, so I figured this is one of your favorites. Hi, Will. Hello, Adam. All right, let's get into the topics. Are you like running around? Because like you did that video of you doing push-ups, and you're like, you're in like pile, complete pile gear, like a sweatshirt, like basketball shorts, and like really bright white ankle socks. Like it stood out as like <laughs> supremely like I don't even know like how to describe it, but just like like a very lack of concern about what you would look like oh, when yeah. you were presented on video camera. Um, and I'm wondering, were you dancing around like that while listening to Christmas music, music all day? Uh, no, but I would have. I, I wouldn't be opposed to it because my son would have enjoyed it. Will you just get to the chorus already for God's sake? Like, jam out. Ah, oh, this is a lousy version of this song. Okay, anyway. 
Adam, when you posted the video of you doing the push-ups? Because you're just wearing socks. And yeah, right. It's a hardwood floor. Uh-huh. It looks yeah. like. I don't know if it's actual wood. It could be like a linoleum or something that's made to it's look not, like yeah, it. It's not, it's not actual wood, no. Uh, that's not a great way to do push-ups. You need some friction on your feet. So yeah. I have to ask. Sure. Did you have your feet pushed up against the back of the couch? Because that feels like cheating. I, I didn't. I, I, for a second, I considered doing it, but then I said, no, I, that didn't occur to me. And then my feet touched the couch and I said, oh, this would actually be very helpful. But I decided not to, not to go that route. I did that. You just don't often see people doing pushups in socks. You know what? (laughs) I didn't know that because I never do any pushups. So I've been exposed. All right, guys, let's get to fantasy football here. Bonus topic. Then we'll get into the five big topics of the day. Bonus topic. In case anyone's listening right now on Monday before the game, starter sit T.Y. Hilton tonight if he plays. Uh, like okay, now the question is, Pip, sorry, Hilton or Pascal? Because people could be. I'm deciding that it doesn't matter because I'm going to win anyway. If if you have Ty Hilton, I hope you have Zach Pascal too. I do. That's what I'm saying. You're... If if they both play, who do you prefer? A banged Turner up Pascal. Hilton, or who could get? Who would in theory get Marshawn Lattimore or Zach Pascal? I think I would go Pascal either way. I I think if. Hilton plays, you have to play him. It seems, it seems like he shouldn't play from what they've talked about. It seems like it's a kind of situation where he's forcing his way back before he should. We saw that in the Texans game. He had, what, two catches and then left the game. Um, but if he's active, Pascal's been so non-existent, really, when Hilton's been active that I just I don't think you can rely on that offense for a number two wide receiver. Yeah, I think Pascal's a little safer though, but because well, I'm trying to look. He uh, Hilton played against Atlanta. Pascal, you're right. You're right, Chris. He really hasn't been. The you know the one game that uh, he had a big game. There was I think one game where Hilton played and Pascal had a big game. I'm sorry. I know I had this somewhere. I did this last week just to see the scenario. Can Pascal be good with Hilton playing? The answer is usually no. But the Lattimore thing sort of you know gets to me a little bit because I feel like Pascal might benefit from Hilton playing. But I'm not sure. So Will says Pascal. Chris says Hilton. I'll say Hilton because he's T.Y. Hilton and he'll probably get more targets. Uh, we have an Apple Podcast mailbag. If you have any questions, you can send them in on Apple Podcasts. I'll read some on Wednesday's show. And we have a lot of other podcasts that you should be listening to and rating on Apple Podcasts and all over wherever you listen. Uh, Will Brinson's show, Pick 6, is awesome. It is uh, bona fide, one of the best sports podcasts out there, so check it out. Go to cbssports.com slash podcast to see a list of all our shows. All right, now on to our real five big topics. Number one, who is your favorite waiver wire player for Week 16, Chris Towers? So there, it's the Minnesota Vikings backup running back, and it just depends on which one that is. It's Alexander Madison. If he plays for sure, there's no question about it. I think he's about 60% owned right now. But he missed week 15 with an ankle injury. It seemed like the kind of thing earlier in the week. It sounded like he was going to play. And then he ended up just sitting it out. That makes me think he'll be okay to go for week 16. But if not, it would be Mike Boone, who was an undrafted free agent last season, but really impressive uh, athletic testing numbers at the combine. Pretty fast. Good pass catcher in college. Never was a full-time back. But we saw him get 14 carries yesterday, scored two touchdowns. This is the kind of situation where whoever gets the the bulk of the work as the lead running back in this offense, they're going to be a must-start option. I think if Alexander Madison plays, he's a top-12 guy. If 
Mike Boone plays, uh, he's probably a top 15. All of that assuming that Dalvin Cook's uh, shoulder injury, which looked more serious yesterday than the last time we saw him leave a game, is serious enough to keep him out, which I, I would expect it to. All right, Will, how about you? He's taking the Minnesota running back. Who are you taking number one on waivers this week? Yeah, I would say that the uh, you know obviously it's position dependent on who you need, but Mike Boone is a great ad. He's a violent runner. Uh, they're going to be committed to running the ball. Green Bay is terrible against the run. It's a critical game on a Monday night. So you you know that's the one downside I would say too though. If you pick up Mike Boone, mm-hmm. be you know you're picking him up for your championship. You whether it's him or Alexander Madison or whether you have Dalvin Cook, whatever it is, you need to remember that that is a Monday night game. So you need to have some sort of contingency plan in place. Like you might not be able to wait until Monday. You know what I mean? To like definitively know if you can start Mike Boone. So just be prepared with that as you move throughout the week and make sure you have a backup plan. Uh, I will take Brashad Perryman. Is he UCF? Is he UCF? Yes. Yeah. That just reminds you that UCF is trash and annoying, and uh, Matt Brodsky <laughs> loves to eat mayonnaise jars. Uh, anyway, the uh, that's our colleague Matt Brodsky. The um, Perryman, former first round pick, of course, by by Ozzie Newsom, one of the rare misses by Ozzie Newsom in the first round. Perryman taken with the Ravens. He is now on the Buccaneers. He got three touchdown passes for Jameis Winston. Um, it it see I thought that we would see Justin Watson step in as sort of the uh, the Mike Evans. Uh, replacement, but it was clear that Jameis has this connection with Prashad Perryman. He's found him a few times um, over the past few weeks. He seems like he's very comfortable with him. He's only owned at 17% of CBS leagues going into Monday night. 113 yards and three touchdowns. Got five or six targets. His catch, he's, he's done a better job catching the ball this year for Tampa Bay, and it looks like Chris Godwin's going to be missing too. So you're talking about a a team that's going to be playing against the Texans in a game that opened up with an over-under of 53, really high total. There's going to be a ton of points scored. It's on a Saturday night. You can get out a good jump with a couple of Brashard Perryman uh, touchdowns in your championship league. I do think it's uh, debatable between him and Anthony Miller. I like that You know, he's the number one guy. Miller's clearly the number two guy. But, you know, the Bears getting the Chiefs at home. You figure there should be a lot of passing in that game. Yeah. Mm. You don't think you, like I know they're going to try to run the ball, but they should. You know, they they had the same matchup with the Packers and Trubisky threw a lot. And they were trailing, and both Miller and Robinson went over a hundred yards. Well, I would no. I mean, like I don't, I don't mind. I think Miller's a great player, and I think it's a good pickup. And but I would say this: that the Chiefs' pass defense. I think everybody's sort of a little slow to adapt at how good the Chiefs' pass yeah, defense. Oh, I've really been is. saying it. Yep. Yeah, I mean, have you? Well, um, they, I've been uh, saying this is what I say. Will uh, I think it's very home road dependent they are lights out against wide receivers at home remember i gave you that stat? i think i gave you that stat and you scoffed at it uh last week i think it was maybe it was a different stat yeah you were there was some stat i gave and you were like what does that matter you idiot oh it was about the cowboys it was cowboys home road splits uh no the the uh no the the chiefs have been amazing against wide receivers at home uh this will be a road game for them they're not as good on the road but they are good the thing I would say that I think is sort of irrelevant with the the matchup is he does have 52 targets over the last five games. He was basically a non-factor. He had 30 targets in the first, what's that, nine games, and then 52 over the last five. And he was coming off the shoulder surgery in the offseason, had an ankle injury in training camp. Seems like it took him some time. But this was a guy that we liked a lot this time last year as a potential breakout candidate. Uh, season ended last year with that shoulder injury early. But I think... He's coming on strong. He's clearly, he is the number two. And 
Perriman would be the number one. The only thing for me is he did only have six targets. And, you know, OJ Howard had eight. Godwin had seven before he left. Cameron Brait had seven. If he's only getting six targets, there's a chance that he has a two yard, two catch, twelve yard game last next week because he just mm. they're well because they're they're really they're going to be long targets and so they're going to be low efficiency, high upside targets. So there's there's a chance that he does go off for a big game, but there is also a chance. And Adam, I know this is a conversation that you and Ben Gretsch have a lot on the podcast, and I'm yeah. sure I know Ben is going to really like Brashad Perryman as an ad this week, and there's going to be a lot of upside there. It just, it's the kind of play that could bust for you. I think there's yeah. probably a little it, safety with it. It's just, this feels like exactly what I said about AJ Brown last week. Because <laughs> it really depends on how much you think they're going to throw. And they, me, they always, me. they always, <laughs> they always throw a lot. Son, AJ Brown. I don't know. I don't know how Chris, I don't know how Brashad Perryman gets six targets. I, I think he's getting a lot more than that. Now with, now with Goblin out. Uh, by the way, Jameis Winston was 8 of 11, 101 yards, and one touchdown, including a 25-yard touchdown pass to Perryman after Chris Godwin's injury. Okay, I'll give you two more names real quick. Jacob Hollister is facing the Cardinals, and Carrion Johnson could come back to face the Broncos. But we have a full waiver wire show tomorrow, and we'll get into hey, that. Hey, how about the fact that David Njoku is a healthy scratch for the uh, for the for the Browns, like before that game, I had to be DFS. I had like, I had to uh, move to, um, uh, to Higby for the, oh, for the Rams. It worked out fine. <laughs> but like, but Ricky Seal Jones still called two touchdowns. I know. Like, are you kidding me with these tight ends? It's no, unbelievable. It's, we've, not, we've never, I don't know if we've ever seen anything like it. They, I can't imagine there's been a, I, I swear, I feel like they're the worst ever against tight ends. I'd love to find that out. It's basically like tight ends against them are Rob Gronkowski's best season. That's, <laughs> Seeing like that, the numbers are like stark. They're like the exact same production. All right, guys. Quick question: Have you ordered a pizza online from Little Caesars yet? If not, you're missing out on Pizza Portal pickup. What is Pizza Portal pickup? It's like getting a pizza right out of the oven yourself. You walk in, you enter a code on the portal, a door opens, and you're off with your favorite pizza. And whatever pizza you order, it'll have crazy, crazy amounts of toppings. It's fun. Give it a try. But it's only available at Little Caesars Pizza Pizza. Next topic. James Conner started in just 26% of leagues in week 15. He came through because of a touchdown, but he had just 12 touches, 51 total yards, eight carries for 42 yards. Against the Bills, he did score a touchdown. He basically dominated on that drive, made a beautiful move, I think, on Micah Hyde, and then he caught that touchdown, broke a tackle. He was great. But how much do you trust James Conner in week 16 at the Jets who... You could argue have the best run defense in football if you're willing to forget what you just saw against Baltimore. Uh, Will, how much do you trust James Conner? Well, I think the Buccaneers had the best run defense in football. Um, just really quickly, I'd point out that not only are they good against the run, but because they pass so much and they're so bad against the pass, it and they can't run either, it literally forces you also to pass and not to run the ball. So I, I from that perspective, I would say the Bucs. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the Jets are right up there. That was a weird sort of... Um, it was an aberration. I think it's probably more of, of what we saw from uh, Baltimore than anything else. So, yeah, I mean, I think you can probably trust James Conner, but you're not probably not feeling good about it. Remember, this is a must-win game uh, for the Steelers. I know that every game at this time of year sort of is, but this is a, a big, 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 big game for the Steelers if they want to make the playoffs. And I wouldn't be surprised at all if they sort of, you know, like tried to get it out of Duck Hodge's hand in the way that they didn't do against the Bills. 
Chris? Yeah, I mean, he still played 58% of the snaps. That's not far off from where he was earlier in the season when he was healthy. I, I tend to want to give guys, especially coming back from an injury like this, that you know ultimately ended up costing him really six weeks. You know, He was back for just a handful of snaps in week 11. Um, I always want to give guys like a, a get-back game. And, and so if I have the opportunity to not start James Conner in the first game back from an injury, I would prefer that. And so... I think we'll see more of him, you know, five targets. I'm happy with that. It only turned into nine yards, but most of the time that's going to be 30 to 40 yards with the way he usually produces catching the ball. So I feel better about it coming a week after he makes his return. Yeah. If you're going to do well against the Jets, you either need to do it as a pass catcher or you need volume. Six running backs have had 15 or more carries against the Jets. Five of them scored 12 or more non-PPR fantasy points, and you'll take that. Uh, But... Is Connor going to get 15 carries? He he typically doesn't. He's had one game this year with more than 55 rushing yards, but he obviously right now is the you know the guy that they should be focusing on offensively. So it was really criminal that they didn't give him the ball more and that they just let Duck Hodges throw as much as they did. Uh, but you know, like Chris said, get back game, get one under your belt, and he's definitely going to be at least in the flex conversation. Pro- I'm guessing he'll be a top 24 running back, but not by much. Like, I don't think he's going to be top 15 in the rankings this week. Just a guess. Chris, are the rankings, would, are the rankings I mean, ahead? I would rather have whatever Vikings guy you can get your hands right. on than James Conner. Right, right. Sure. I would too. Yeah. All right. Which, uh, let's talk a little dynasty here. Mm-hmm. Which rookie or second-year quarterback do you like most in dynasty leagues other than Lamar Jackson? Who would it be? Chris Towers. I think it's got to be Kyler Murray. I know. It's uh, so easy. He's... <laughs> Uh, he's the, I think, number seven in four point per passing touchdown uh, scoring right now. And he's number nine in six point in CBS scoring. That's really good when you consider, you know, he only has 17 passing touchdowns. And this comes back to, uh, I can't remember. Someone refers to it as the Konami code for fantasy uh, with quarterbacks who run the ball. We're seeing the best case possible. Is that out. Rich? Is that our boy, Rich Rebar? I yeah, think Lord yeah, Reeves. And we're seeing the best case scenario of it with Lamar Jackson, but Kyler Murray is second in the league in rushing yards for quarterbacks, uh, just ahead of Josh Allen. I just think there is the potential next season for seven, eight hundred rushing yards, thirty five hundred to four thousand passing yards. He's probably going to get to thirty five hundred this year, and all you need then is just him to be an average quarterback when it comes to scoring passing touchdowns, and all of a sudden you've got. Uh, a, a B plus version of what Lamar Jackson's doing this year. I think it's it's the obvious answer. Yeah, and I, I would say, yeah, I mean, look, it is Kyler. It, I mean, that's the answer. Yeah. Um, the other thing too is that, like, if you want to play the regression game, I'm sure this will happen plenty this offseason, But look at how bad the Cardinals were early on in the red zone when Cliff would kick. Well, like, like they had they lead the league by far in terms of like field goals under 30 yards. He was willing to always throw in the red zone. Um, you know, he doesn't have it. He has Christian Kirk, but Larry, he has Larry Fitzgerald, older. You know, just not a ton of weapons there. And so I think that Kyler, in theory, should be due for a big touchdown bump in terms of his passing. I mean, the dude has 482 passing attempts and 17 passing touchdowns. Like that's a crazy disparity. Whereas Lamar Jackson, 370 and 33 touchdowns. I'm not trying to, to compare the two. Lamar is the guy you would take, obviously, between all these guys. Um, I think Josh Allen's worth a look, too. The one concern I would have about Josh Allen is that um, when you look at Allen, 
you know, he, he's got less rushing yards this year, 4.6, uh, you, you know, yards per carry, certainly down from what it was last year, nine rushing touchdowns, which is a ton. They love using him in the red zone, but you know, how, how, if, like, how reliable is that going to be year to year and week to week? You know, Cam Newton, we've seen is maybe the one quarterback where you could count on it um, at, at all times. And then I think with Allen is, are they ever going to open up this offense? Like, will they will they get pieces in place to really try to crank up this offense to be uh, something that's high octane, or will they always sort of be a conservative defense first team? I would guess with you know, like when you look at the coaching between the two, Sean McDermott much more conservative, um, typically defensive. You know, he's a defensive coach. That's where he comes from. And then Cliff Kingsbury, I think, has actually gotten a lot better at being a, an offensive coach and a game planning and game management coach as the year has gone on. So I, I'm pretty pretty uh, bullish on the on the on the future for Kyler. Yeah, Kyler seems like the obvious answer here, but I did want to give Josh Allen some love because he is scoring more points per game than Kyler Murray. Obviously, he's in his second season, and we see a lot of improvement uh, in quarterbacks in their second season. The passer ratings of the rookie quarterbacks this year are uh, pretty good. I mean, like Sam Darnold was worse in terms of a passer at, than, than Daniel Jones and Kyler Murray and even Drew Locke. Uh, those three guys have... And Locke hasn't thrown that many passes, but they have quarterback ratings around 85, 86 that's not bad. Baker Mayfield was at 93.7. That's what I think is so interesting here is that like we're not consider are we not considering Baker Mayfield because this time last year, I mean, he was definitely the answer. He was the answer ahead of Lamar Jackson, ahead of everyone. He looked like a rising star. He's he was, such a He was going year. in the 5th round. He was going like the 5th yeah. round of drafts. He was year. the 5th or 6th quarterback off the board, absolutely. So, boy, he really has regressed and uh, and he's had a lot of bad luck, too. You know, last I saw, he was leading the NFL in uh, tipped interceptions. So there's been some bad luck. I think he had another one of those yesterday, actually. Um, and I'm hoping that Odell Beckham stays, obviously, just because that would be a better player for uh, Baker Mayfield. But also just, I want to see what what they can do with a full year together, you know, for for as much as we make fun of Eli Manning, he did get to play. Odo Beckham did get to play with Eli Manning for what five full seasons, and then he has to play with his first new quarterback. Yes, Baker Mayfield, we would assume is more talented than late career Eli Manning, but changing teams is really tough. And just also for Odo Beckham's sake, I hope he stays. Yeah, and he we was, talked about this on too. the Pick Six podcast, my daily NFL podcast, eight shows a week. You oh, should right. check it out. Podcast that one. Um, Jason Lock and Four thinks there could be a lot of changes coming there. Uh, like specifically, there's just people talking. Like there's concern about Baker. There's like Odell Beckham's not even really the concern. There's a ton of concern about Freddie Kitchens and Todd Munkin and uh, you know Ryan Lindley, the the quarterbacks coach. Like what what they have. Like, are they the right guys around Baker to make him work? And I think that might ultimately be, you know, the the, the Haslam's didn't fire Freddie or Freddie fire Hugh Jackson after one after going one and thirty one over two years. But this might be a more egregious sin is ruining a number one overall pick and a guy who could have easily been the rookie of the year last year and clearly has flashed talent in Baker Mayfield. And so you have to wonder, will they be willing to go out and try to look for another coach who can come in and make the most out of Baker's talents? Because what the, the thing with the Browns is, and we mentioned, I mentioned this on the podcast, Mary Kay Cabot told us this before the season, they, they don't, they didn't, like the, down the stretch last year, they had an offense that catered to Baker's skill set. And then they rebuilt an entirely new offense and it just doesn't work with what Baker wants to do. And they don't, there's no, there's, it's just, it's just a disastrous offense. And so I think there's an opportunity to buy low here. If you want to try to go after Baker Mayfield, probably get him for all the pennies in dynasty. I wouldn't mind taking a flyer on him. 
All right, let's go. We got two more topics to go here. Who do you trust in a tough matchup? I have a Twitter poll for this one. Who do you trust in a tough matchup in Week 16? Half PPR. Raheem Mostert against the Rams. Devin Singletary at New England. And Le'Veon Bell against Pittsburgh. The Twitter poll results have Mostert in the lead with 54% of the votes. So Mostert against the Rams. And that's the guy, I mean, he gets, if you're lucky, he gets two catches. Uh, Devin Singletary at New England and Le'Veon Bell against Pittsburgh. But right now, Mostert is running away with it. Chris, do you agree? Raheem Mostert would be the most trustworthy there? Yeah, I mean, he doesn't have Adam Gase as his coach, for one. And uh, he's not going against Bill Belichick. So both of those help. And I just, it's it's really curious that the San Francisco Giants... San Francisco 49ers, yeah, excuse Niners, me, yeah. uh, went back to Tevin Coleman as the starter yesterday. Uh, used him for one drive at the beginning of the first half, one drive at the end of the first half, one drive at the beginning of the th- second half, and that's it. Yeah, Falcon, it was, a, it was, you're playing your old team, you get to start. That's, I don't know if that's true, but it could have been. Yeah, it, it, it's tough to know what to make of that, because what if Tevin Coleman had ripped off that 37-yard run in the first drive of the game, would they have stuck with him? My guess is not Raheem Mostert's been so effective, you know, even in uh, relatively limited playing time. He was 53% of the snaps this week. I think that's probably around where you should expect him, but he's been so good that I just think he's the best player of this group right now. I think Le'Veon Bell's probably the best talent, but that situation's just a disaster. Touchdown in four straight games for Raheem Mostert. The other options were Singletary at New England and Bell against his former team, the Steelers. Will, who do you think is the most trustworthy? Uh, well, I mean, I think ugh, I mean, trustworthy is such a rough word for these two guys. <laughs> I mean, like, who would you? I think it's just who would you start? I don't know if it's who's trustworthy. Here's what I would do: I would look at these two games and say San Francisco, LA has a over under of 46, and the Jets and Steelers have an over under of 38. And I would take the team with the higher over-under because you got more upside to get a touchdown. Yeah. That's going to be really a big a big change for me in how I evaluate games is incorporating over-unders more. Uh, but, <laughs> well, let's, no, yeah, you should. But you shouldn't, like, be completely beholden to it because Devin Singletary, like, the over-under in that game last night was one of the lowest of the year, right? Or was it the lowest of the year? I don't know, Pittsburgh, Buffalo. Uh, no, there's been, like, a 36 or something out there. All right, it was really low. And Devin Singletary got 23 touches. And he did not score, unfortunately, but he almost did. So he came up a yard short, and then Josh Allen snuck it in. So touches matter more to me than over-under. Yeah, but I mean, just, just, just to have in the offseason, because it, it's not just, well, this one has a higher over-under, because if a game has a really high over-under, but a team's also a 14-point underdog somehow, you're not going to want to start a running back who, who runs the ball. Like, Mark Ingram right. isn't the guy that you would start in that situation. But... Someone like Devin Singletary, who does catch the ball a little bit, you know, that's or a different. Le'Veon Bell. Well, but but you know, you you don't need to look. You don't need to think about the over under as a blind logic on how to do it. You need to think about how does the over under play into what the game script is going to be. For instance, like Chris pointed out, um, you have a, a team that's a fourteen point. There's a fourteen point favorite, right? A huge favorite, and uh, you know, and a high over under. What that means is it is that the team that's the favorite probably has a questionable passing defense, and the team who's the dog is probably going to be chasing points. So that at that point, you have to consider like, do I want to start this running back? Whereas last night with a thirty seven and a half over under, it doesn't mean like no offense is going to happen. It just means you're probably going to run the ball a ton. So yeah, Devin Singletary is going to get touches, but you have to realize that you're probably looking at 
a five touchdown max, or let's say six touchdowns max in that game. I mean, you're not going to see it go to 49 or anything like that. And so you have to figure out where those, where those touchdowns going to come from. And if you're deciding to play Devin Singletary, you have to be aware that in the red zone uh, with his fumbling that he's had, and he's fumbled twice more last year or last night that, you know, they might go to Josh Allen. They might go to Frank Gore and, you know, you just have to, that's sort of the risk reward you have to weigh there. All right, and then for Le'Veon Bell, there has not been one running back with more than 13 fantasy points all year in non-PPR and only one in PPR. Uh, so uh, that was... Against the, against the Steelers? Against the Steelers. So did you just argue that Levy, that Devin Singletary was a great start, even though you just pointed out that nobody scores against the Steelers? Uh, no, well, Le'Veon's playing the Steelers. No, I know, but none Devin of them Singletary are, played the singles Steelers. Yeah, he almost he would have. Well, he fumbled, so he got down to six points. If he had scored that touchdown, he would have been at. If he had scored a touchdown and not fumbled, he would have been at fourteen non PPR fantasy points, which would have been the best game of any running back all year against the Steelers. But you do realize that you're proving my point, right? Uh, no, I, I wasn't necessarily disagreeing with your point. I, I, no, no, I was, no, no, no. But I'm just saying, like the like the. That's the thing. You look at that over under at 37 and a half and you have to say, okay, there's only going to be so much juice you can squeeze from this orange. I understand. And, yeah. No, I, I, I get it. I, I agree. All right, this is from Malachi, our last one. Let's talk about dynasty stashes and best rookie running backs to hold on to that could perform next year and didn't do much this year, like Justice Hill. People love yeah. Justice Hill. I am just not sure that it's ever going to happen for him in a feature role. He's just too small, I think, but... Um, I guess he's interesting, but uh, do you guys feel like there are any rookie running backs who paid their dues as rookies and could get more work as sophomores? Okay, so that that's a different question because the first one that came to mind for me was actually David Montgomery. He's gotten a ton of work. He's just been miserable. He actually his stat line is going to look pretty similar to what Le'Veon Bell did as a rookie. And you remember Le'Veon Bell's first season with Pittsburgh was terribly inefficient. I think it was like three point six yards per carry. Uh, caught a decent number of passes, but just didn't look very good. Now, obviously, there was a situation with him where I think he lost a bunch of weight, got in really good shape coming off his rookie season. Not necessarily the same thing with David Montgomery, but I just think we'll see a more effective version of David Montgomery next season. You know, you can look at an, a Melvin Gordon as another guy who got a lot better in his second season. That's the kind of one that I would look at. Another one, let's throw Darwin Thompson out there. I'm not sure he's ever going to be a, a feature back. And it's a little disappointing that they haven't given him more opportunities with Damian Williams out there, but you just want a piece of this Kansas city offense. Like they haven't gotten a ton out of their running backs this year, but historically Andy Reid's running backs have been super effective. And, and I think we'll see more of that next season. So if Darwin Thompson gets a chance to be the feature guy, I'll want a lot of him. Yeah. I think that's a great call. Uh, especially when you look at, I mean, look, Damian Williams got a two-year contract extension, but it's not like he's, you know, I mean, locked yeah. in. They can cut him next year, and he they is five hundred thirty-three thousand dollars in dead cap space, so they would actually save like one or two point three million dollars by cutting him. So there is you know, there is something to think about there. Lashawn McCoy, maybe he maybe he plays another year, but I can't see him having some massive role. And Thompson is a guy that could end up being the guy and you're talking about next year you're coming in with maybe a healthy offensive line i like that spot hill i don't think i would be quite as down on I mean, it's, it's kind of a similar setup right they're gonna have lamar jackson for a long time they're probably gonna operate a similar offense you know they'll, they'll change it up a little bit maybe be trying more pass heavy but hill's big thing and i've talked about this repeatedly throughout the course of the year um the, the ravens targeted running backs for this offense that are really good out of shotgun if you look at the sports info solution numbers mark ingram 
Gus Edwards, and Justice Hill while he's at Oklahoma State, all were top five, top ten guys in terms of running out of the shotgun. And so I think over the long haul, yeah, Justice Hill could be very valuable. He's a guy that you you know you don't want to have for dynasty for like next year probably unless something happens to Mark Ingram. But he's a guy that in two years or three years could you know be a, a big boon to have on your team. Mark Ingram will be thirty one. Yeah, so, sure. And he happens. doesn't. And he's not like a touch hog either. I mean, like yeah. they they rotate those guys in there. Uh, Daryl Henderson will see a bigger role I think next year for the Rams. Yep. Damian Harris could be the starting one. Could, he could be great next year. I mean, Sony Michelle has just been really bad. So, but those guys were third round picks. I'm sure they're owned in Dynasty. Uh, I'd be interested to see what happens with Leonard Fournette. Do you think there's any chance they get rid of Leonard Fournette and we could see Reichwell Armstead and they probably draft someone? But, um, you know, look, Fournette's had a really good year, but he was sort of on the chopping block last year and there are going to be some changes, I would assume, in Jacksonville. And, uh, and he doesn't guarantee money after this year, right? I don't know. He, um, in next year, it's not his fifth-year option, is it? Uh, no, next year will be his fourth no. season. No, I guess not. 2020. So this offseason, they'll have to decide. They'll pick up his fifth-year option. So then they'll have him for 2020 and then 2021 on his fifth-year option. And so, yeah, I mean, like, that would be something worth looking at because I think it would be fairly surprising. I mean, he's <laughs> unfortunately already 25 years old. That's why you don't draft old running backs coming out of college. Um, I... I, we don't know who's going to be in charge of the Jaguars next, but it would be a surprise if they gave Leonard Fournette a massive contract. And then, do you think the Steelers are really invested in in James Connor? So not with the kind of season he's had. Right, um, Benny Snell's there, and let me just wrap up. I'm sorry because uh, Kadri Olison is another because like I could see Devontae Freeman being out in Atlanta, but again, I think they probably, I think they probably get someone else. I'm not sure they're turning the, the keys of the car over to Kadri Ellison. Freeman Freeman is like you can, you know, it, this would be the offseason where there's an out. It would probably be after the 2020 season in terms of his contract. They can only save 3.5 million by cutting him this offseason. Can save 6.25 million by cutting him next offseason. All right, well there are basically all the rookie running backs <laughs> that might be available in your dynasty leagues. Stash uh you should stash Christian McCaffrey. I don't know. I don't see. He can't really run in between the tackles, Will. A lot of work. <laughs> touches. Too many touches. He's going to get worn down. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening. That's Will Brinson and Chris Towers. Thanks to Dr. David Chow. We got the waiver wire tomorrow, and we'll talk to you then on Fantasy Football Today. Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.